We're back! We're back! It's a distraction. I'm Drew. That's Roth. How you doing, Roth? I'm good, man. How are you? What's happening? We got a uh, we got a very nice email from someone uh, who said last week's podcast, which featured uh, Roth and Rado, and not me. And they said it was the best of the podcast they'd heard so far. And I was, and they were like, "No offense to you, Drew," but I was like, "You know what? That's probably accurate." Like it's like sometimes I'm like a little like. I'm a little like, ah, like, okay, just no, chill the I think, fuck out. I think that what it was, was that it was, it was not something you could compare to this podcast because I was bringing my usual, uh, like pharmaceutical grade sedative energy to it. And it was eight in the morning for Ray. And we were talking about baseball. So it was more of like an ASMR experience than it was a classic podcast. It was but, just two guys murmuring about the Orioles for uh, 45 I, minutes. I like the idea of that being soothing and peaceful. And I am already, I'm here to break the tranquility and you know why because it's time once again raw it's time oh, no. for the He's haters guide to the 2021 fantasy football season do it haters guide. and joining us is the very <laughs> first guest in distraction history andy parents of yahoo hi andy we did it what what a shockingly just questionable decision to make me the first guest in the history of this podcast but sure i'm honored to to be back there's you way too much your star power man there's way too much unwarranted humility uh, in this podcast, and it disgusts me. I need more ego. I need you to be cocky and just grossly <laughs> overconfident going Maybe this will it. make you feel better, Andy. Last year when we did this uh, for our very first podcast with guests from the eaves of my father-in-law's home, you gave some very general uh, and, you know, like not business advice, fantasy advice, and then I won all my leagues last year. Oh, I also, well, that uh, that explains the the incredible appearance fee that I was able to extract this year. Yes, That's great. Was, I have to go perform magic at Andy's children's birthday party. <laughs> and I have no, I've got nothing. I mean, like, I guess some rudimentary coin stuff. Nothing else, really. Roth, this is a good time for Roth, too, because Roth comes to us live from the Jersey Shore, where mm -hmm. he is in the middle of a draft right now as we speak. Although <laughs> yeah. it's not, you're not like with your bros in like a strategic Vegas man cave. Like, uh, you know, with like like an actual literal draft board made out of foam core, like sitting in front. We used, to, we used to have one that we would hang on the wall that you could get. They had like stickers and stuff. But yeah, we were deep. I was telling Andy before we started that we're deep in the like washed draft stage. Like our draft is old. Like the league is 21 years old now. That's so great. we got drafted for two hours on Friday. And then everybody was like, I got kids, man. Like if I have a third beer, this isn't my whole weekend shot. Like we've just been <laughs> finishing it over a Google doc over the course of several days. It's, so it's I'm, really I'm broadcasting live from the middle of a tight end run in the 17th round. I'm quite astounded, Andy, because uh, I remember like vividly when, back when I was at Colby, it was before uh, the internet and the football team let us use, I was on the football team. The coaches let us use one of the rooms to conduct our own draft. And like, and the guy running it, I think it was the quarterback, PJ, he he like drew up the draft board on the grease board that they usually draw plays on and stuff like that. And it just it astounded me how much logistical bullshit you had to endure just to have one shitty fantasy season in one league. Yeah. And now you can do all that in like three minutes, parents. Yeah, but this guy, this poor guy is trapped in a in a slow draft in a spreadsheet, which is some kind of circle of hell. That is just my um, <laughs> I feel like I've been I feel like I've been trapped in exactly that scenario in different drafts since like June. And I got to get out of it. I can't wait to get to September. I can't I can't stand the you know, you've got three hours, four hours to make a pick. I just it's it's I'm over it. Yeah, it is. It's definitely like kind of a grim thing to like the like this minor thrill of getting a text from someone you've been friends with since college. And then the only thing it says, it's like, I pick Cole Komet, you're up. Like, that's a drag. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, exactly. you got to be able to do better than that. Yeah, I have I have drafts now. I'm in my brother's league and we'll go through a whole draft and like the chat window will just stay empty the whole time. <laughs> Everybody's just about their business. Like I like, you know, you know, everyone else is on the other end, like like cooking some soup or something like that, <laughs> like looking at their phone. I know that's what I'm doing. So anyway, do you, we have to do actually, you still have photos? Do you still have photos, by the way, of those original drafts? Because I find that stuff really heartwarming. Yeah. Like to no. go back to like a 1995 draft and it's like the eighth round and you took Darnay Scott and you're like, oh, <laughs> Darnay Scott. Times I'm just were gonna so ask, simple. 
like who like Drew was taking, like who are they? You're like targeting Ricky Waters early, and if you don't get him, you're like this whole fucking season's a wash. Ugh. I remember. Like, I remember. I took Marshall Falk, but it was Colts era Marshall Falk. Mm-hmm. Was it the turf toe year? Was it the disastrous turf toe year? I like the I'm one bad sure. year of his career. It was one of those years where he, no, I don't. It was one of those years where he got like. 1,200 yards and eight touchdowns, and I considered him to be a total fucking bust. Like some, like, you know, I like that kind because of, it's like, oh, I drafted him second, a piece of shit. Why didn't he score eight touchdowns a game? Uh, we're going to go through the Yahoo Top 10 at every position, and I want you to give me a reason to hate uh, some of these players, Andy, and I want you to also give us uh, a potential sleeper. We always love sleepers, and then we can use that really... We can really use all of that, uh, you know, in honor of Darnay Scott as a chance to remember some fantasy guys because fantasy <laughs> time is really the best time for. I think we've already guys. mentioned everything that happens from here is gravy for me because I'm I'm thinking about Darnay Scott for the rest of this podcast. A thousand percent, <laughs> I'm totally thinking about Darnay. I was like, oh, the speedster, the incredible, <laughs> the deep threat who gets 600 yards a season. I love you those guys. Like Darnay guys. opposite Carl Pickens. Uh, uh, who was it? It was Blake at quarterback. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, ooh. The big Jeff Blake guy. Uh, <clears throat> so let's start with the running backs. Your number one ranked back. According to Yahoo, Christian McCaffrey, who will be in COVID protocol at some point, like Cole Beasley already got in COVID. Like that was the most inevitable shit that ever happened. And it's totally happening to Christian McCaffrey. So why is he number one when I know this is going to happen, Barons? Um, Christian McCaffrey has the, the, first of all, he's, he's set the running back reception record twice, right? Like he's, he's almost a lock in a healthy season. If we get a healthy season, uh, to give you, I don't know, 100, 110 receptions, which is just not really on the table for, for almost any other back. Um, he's the, the closest thing to a lock to get 2,000 scrimmage yards, which obviously makes him a league winner. I mean, if, if Christian McCaffrey just stays healthy on the field for 14, 15 games and you get him in December, uh, it's, a, it's just an unfair advantage in, in any format. So I would actually say there's, there's probably... Yeah, there's a greater gap. You could make the argument for Kelsey as well, but there's a greater gap between Christian McCaffrey and everybody else in the top 10 than, than there is at any other position. Uh, all right, but then say something mean about him. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not really hearing him. anything to hear. <laughs> yeah, no, you're being too nice. Um, I don't I don't have a great reason to hate him, except that you know the guy who is going to throw him the ball is Sam Darnold. Um, It's kind of of funny that Carolina Panthers have basically treated Sam Darnold as if he's, I don't know, Tom Brady in the preseason. They barely played him. I think he has two pass attempts, which is And he sucks. Yeah, yeah. Like we're we're really Sam Darnold on a new team, just meeting all these guys for the first time. We we feel like he's he's got it so locked down that we don't need to play him at all in the preseason. That's a little weird. Yeah. Uh I'll give you that. So Sam Darnold being a, a factor here, that's a concern. Beyond that, um, there's not really there's not really any great reason to worry, except that he had just a medley of injuries last year. I don't even know if I can name them all. It felt like there was a shoulder in there. There was an ankle in there. Um, there's a whole lot of stuff. So maybe we're coming into a, a phase of McCaffrey's career where the fact that he's not, you know, he's not a 225-pound, 6'2", Najee Harris-looking running back, right? He's a little bit smaller. Maybe that catches up with him. Maybe one of last year's injuries lingers. Um, but other than that, he's, I don't know, he's, he's the pretty clear number one overall pick in almost any format. Uh, the other thing is that uh, you came in the, uh, the exact same day that Panthers coaches ran wind sprints, like to sh- prove their toughness. Oh, wow. <laughs> Wait, the coaches ran the wind sprints? The coaches ran the wind sprints because it was like, we have the heart and you better have the heart too. And Matt Rule I, owns. Yeah, a, I'm, now utter, genius. I'm now utterly convinced that like Matt Rule is just an absolute fraud. And I was dumb enough last year to think he might actually be effective. And he's shit. He's, he's going to be a shit coach. And they've got him for fucking six years yeah. just absolutely brutal <laughs> that was uh, one you know, of the rare like uh wired team sucks things that had like what felt like authentic bitterness in it like you've done this for like 20 years like at some point like you're just not really mad about the jets anymore like i and it's fine that's you know you got to do your job but the rule one was there where you were like i thought this would be fun like i thought it would be like great for teddy and great for you know the fans and like it sucked yeah and that yeah like you really seemed kind of mad about it yeah, there was well because there wasn't any indication that it was going to get better, right? Like they traded for Darnold. There's no indication that they're going to make Darnold any better than Teddy was last year. Like, in, in, I mean, objectively, he's probably going to be worse, you know. So I'm not 
I'm not feeling that. Your number two is Dalvin Cook. I have to absolve, recuse myself from saying mean things about Dalvin Cook. But Andy, you're allowed to say mean things about Dalvin Cook. Why would Dalvin Cook plummet down this board uh, <laughs> during the course of the season? Uh, he's never played 16 games. That's a that's a concern. We get we give him a lot of credit for being close to McCaffrey in terms of uh, uh, potential, and he had. I want to say he had 1900 scrimmage yards last year, but um, he's actually never caught a ton of passes, right? Like he's, he's, I, I think he's, I think he's capped out around 50 receptions. So he's not, he's not some spectacular asset uh, as a, as a, a PPR option. And then his backup is really good. Like Alexander Madison is really good. And I don't think he's, I don't think he's well, Dalvin Cook good, but he's probably really? 90 or 95% of Dalvin Cook. So that's, oh, a, that's, that's a small concern. That's just, that's wrong. <laughs> that's incorrect. You've angered I, Drew. I, no, no, I, I mean, I mean it. I really do. He's not, he's not. I, I feel like you Cook's know leader. what recusal is. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think Madison is a guy who can reliably get you four yards to carry, but that's kind of it. Cook, I think, can catch the ball, but they don't throw it to him. Because they're just stupid. So I, I, it's, <laughs> well, so I get, as long as Drew's staying out of it, I guess we're all good. Well, well it's, it's an like, offense. It's an, like, it's a kind of dumb offense that we really like for fantasy purposes because we know exactly where the ball is going and it's only going yo, to three guys. Right? So, yeah. do, so it's going defenses. to Jefferson, it's going to Thielen, it's going to Cook, and, and we're done. Uh, your number three is uh, Zeke Elliott, who I always view as a bit of an underachiever, like he, apart from like his rookie year. I'm not convinced that he belongs this high, certainly not above Derrick Henry and Alvin Kamara and Nick Chubb. Do you agree, Barons? Yeah, let the let the record show that uh, this these are the these are the consensus ranks at Yahoo. And uh yes. in, in, in my own, I have uh, I have Derrick Henry above him. Uh, there are, I mean, there are plenty of reasons to worry about about Zeke Elliott. Number one, he was he was pretty ordinary last year. And he's yes. been He's been one of these, you know, best shape of his life guys in in camp, which is great. Um, half the league is in is in the best shape of its life, but that's you know you'd you'd rather hear good things than bad things right this time of year. Um, he put the ball on the ground a bunch last year. He was not discernibly better than the guy who's backing him up in Tony Pollard. And they've already come out and said, "Hey, we're we're probably not going to feed Zeke the ball 25 times a game because we want him." You know, and this is this is the way every team should handle its business. They if they think they have a special player, you got to get him to December and January healthy. If you realistically think you have a shot at a deep playoff run, not that they do, but they they have to they have to pretend they do. Um, so they've talked about limiting his workload. Um, Pollard's really good. Like the 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 best Tony Pollard highlights from last season were better than anything that Zeke did, which is not to say that he's leapfrogging him or anything like that because they gave Zeke a, a zillion dollars. Um, you got to play him. You got to run him into the ground at some point, but he's not, I mean, he's not the, the lead the league in rushing guy anymore. I don't think um, unless he's totally reinvented himself. And again, there's some positive buzz about him. He's going to catch a bunch of passes too. It's going to be a really fun offense that you want to be connected to, but I'm, I'm with you in that. I just, I can't imagine myself taking him third overall, which is, is, you know, if we're ranking him as the number three running back, that's that's where we're taking him. Uh, yeah, I want can I segue for a second because you know you mentioned that they go reduces his workload, and that's very on brand for Mike McCarthy. I know yeah, what I he was going to say job. like yeah. Mike McCarthy running back wizard might also be another reason not to draft him because he. But it's, but it's a good question. It's it brings up a, uh, an important subject, which is Barons. How much will the seventeen game season impact fantasy, particularly like? As NFL teams, I think it'll take them at least a year to understand what load management should be for their players. But how is it going to impact this year? Yeah, it's a it's a good question. I don't know that we've had a head coach directly come out and say that we're going to give some of our players extra bye weeks, right? But it wouldn't be it wouldn't be the craziest thing, um, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't, especially at running back. I, I mean, I think we've seen that once a back, you know, unless they're unless they're just an all time talent, um, unless they're just a rare athlete, um, even by the standards of the NFL, um, 400 touches is just about the outer limit for anyone. Like usually you get that kind of workload and the next season, something goes wrong. And so I don't I, like, I just don't think even, even with the guys who, you know, people, people in that, in that Henry, um, McCaffrey, perhaps Dalvin cook, although again, he's never made it 16 games. I don't think he's going to make it 17 games, you know, even, even at that level, I don't think we can expect these guys to see much more than, than, you know, somebody's going to lead the league in touches at like 380. I, I don't think it's realistic to, to think that somebody's going to get 
20 plus touches in absolutely every week of a 17 game season. That seems, that seems nuts to me. Well, actually it reminds me of a guy, uh, former Falcon, Michael Turner, uh, who was (laughs) the impetus behind, uh, the curse of 370. I think it was a Bill Barnwell term or, or was someone at ESPN who coined the term that if you ran a back over 370 times over the course of a single season, you have essentially ruined that back. That they're not they're not going to recover from that. I, th- I think a little bit of that is that they just picked a number that you know if you'd gone down to three sixty five it wouldn't have looked so good, yeah. right? If you'd gone down to three sixty, it wouldn't have looked so good. They picked the number of touches that Michael Turner got, and they were like, "Yeah, ah, there it is." <laughs> and, and it's also like those are those are by definition those are going to be career years, right? Nobody nobody gets three hundred and seventy five touches or something like that just just on accident because there was no other place to go with the ball. They're they're giving you that many touches because you're incredibly productive. The line is good and everything is everything is great and it's just going to be like a two thousand scrimmage yard season. So like no nobody does that year after year after year. So of course there would be some drop off. Um, but it is you know it is a concern. I mean we shoot just two, a couple of years ago. For whatever reason, I'll 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 never understand it. And maybe this is uh, this should have been the key uh, piece of hate about Christian McCaffrey in a totally lost season for Carolina. They gave that guy over 400 touches. Um, yes, they did. Yeah. What like and I like they were going for the thousand thousand season, and it was fun and it was great for fantasy and all that. But at some point, they had to question. You know, are we just grinding this guy to dust in a in a season that is? You know, we should at some point we should try to lose, right? At some point we should try to lose games here because um, we're not going to compete. Um, that, I mean, that was just purely a mistake, and and he may have paid the price for it last year. Uh, next up, number four is Derrick Henry, and I know you said last year that his main concern is uh, receptions because he's in the Adrian Peterson mold of like fantastic runners who don't really do much else besides run the ball. And then we have Kamara at number five, and I'm a li- I'm a little skeptical of Kamara because I know who his quarterback is. We're just coming off a preseason game where Jameis Winston like threw two long touchdown bombs against the fucking Jaguars. And all of Twitter was like, oh my God, watch out for Jameis Winston. Like, I haven't seen this movie 5,000 fucking times, right? So uh, I want to know if, do you believe Kamara can regain his prime form uh, that he had under Drew Brees in this new offense, or if he's going to you know, be a sort of limp 500-500 you know, guy? Yeah, I, I think Kamara is one of the, he's like one of those hinge players, one of those those true, like, I don't know what to expect from him exactly. This could be really good. They could center the entire offense around him and maybe give him more work than he's ever had because they just don't trust anybody else. And Michael Thomas isn't healthy. Um, and they could feed him just a little bit more. And Kamara certainly has it in him if he if he stayed healthy um, to, to give us like that McCaffrey style thousand thousand season. He's never had fewer than 80 catches in any season. He makes himself available to quarterbacks, um, un, unlike almost anybody else in the league. Well, that sounds kind but of dirty. Drew Brees, it was the most historically accurate quarterback that we've ever seen. And Jameis, like hilariously so, is is not right. Jameis <laughs> is just a, is an absolute carnival ride um the last time we saw Jameis as a as a full-time quarterback he led the league in attempts um yards interceptions right 30 interceptions yeah. who throws 30 interceptions what he had like an Alfonso somebody... Soriano season as a quarterback. yeah 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 it's a perfect it's like a weirdly perfect comparison um I think he fumbled a dozen times yeah, took 50 sacks or something like like it was it was terrible and it was magical and it was like but it, it ended up being really fun uh for fantasy purposes not not great if you were like a real life fan of the Bucks. um I don't know, but I, I'm sure that Jameis has won this job. And they, they haven't... Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, it's funny that we're halfway through the list of running backs and we've already had concerns about the guy that's throwing them the ball on a five-yard pass play. <laughs> like two times. <laughs> this is the second time now that we've had this issue. Well, that was not exactly Jameis. I mean, they were just looking to go deep. Like Jameis, yeah. a couple years ago, even when he led the league in pass attempts, was still, was still over eight yards per attempt, I want to say. Wow. Like, they just went deep constantly. And it's not like when Drew Brees wasn't at the controls last year for the Saints, um, it wasn't great for Kamara because he was he was on pace to break McCaffrey's uh, single season reception record for a running back, and then Taysom Hill took over, and he like he was barely a rumor. Um, <laughs> he did those, those first like two or three games, he hardly saw the ball as a receiver. 
they've both made a point, I think, in, uh, in both camp and the preseason to, to target the, the running back position because they know their best receiver resides there. So I just think Kamara is one of these huge uh, range of outcome guys. And I would, I would actually take him here. Like if I've got the fifth pick, I've got no problem with it because you want to take big swings and you want to try to draft guys who might just be league winners. And he was last year, right? He had what, five, six touchdowns in, in championship week. In, uh, so that like if you had Kamara on your team and you made it to the to week 16 you won like i no, I, uh, I don't remember that week I, I don't remember who they were playing that week I don't. <laughs> it's probably not important <laughs> which team those touchdowns oh came yeah against. that's right <laughs> you're uh you're six and seven uh according to the yahoo uh rankings again not andy's rankings but the users is uh is nick chubb and jonathan taylor i can see both of those guys being the number one pick next year because they're just so talented and chubb last year essentially fended off a platoon attempt from Kareem Hunt, who came in in the second half of the season. Is there any reason for me to worry that Hunt would this time actually cut into Chubb's workload during the course of the season? Yeah, well, the, the key reason, if you want a reason to, to hate Nick Chubb, uh, and I don't really, but if yeah, you want a reason to hate him, it, it's that he has, he has that Derrick Henry receiving workload, right? He's, he's, he's almost certainly not going to get to 20 catches, which is, which is not everything we're looking for in a first-round running back. The way most fantasy scoring systems work, we care about touchdowns and we care about catches, uh, and obviously we care about total yards as well. And, and Chubb has the yardage covered because he's great because he's just about the most efficient back in the league. I don't think he's ever been under five yards per carry in his NFL career. He's, he's almost certainly going to win a rushing title someday. Maybe it's, maybe it's, maybe it's this year, maybe it's next year. It's definitely going to happen. Um, but they don't throw to him. Uh, they, they don't actually throw to, to hunt very much either. Like we think of Kareem hunt as, as this, uh, high volume receiving back, but they, they didn't throw to him very much uh, last year either. It's it's mostly receivers and tight ends. It's just a really uninteresting passing game overall. Um, right. So that's, that feels like that's an the knock of on the, him. That feels like an indictment of the coaches more than of Chubb himself. Because I watched Chubb uh, put the hammer down on the Steelers in the wild card round by catching a, pa- a swing pass and taking it to the house for like 40 yards. So I know that there's something there, but they don't necessarily use it. I think it's the same way with Cook. I think Cook can can do damage when he catches the ball, but they don't throw it to him. Yeah. It's a little bit that way with Henry too. I feel like Derek Henry every year has like an 80 yard touchdown reception. They just, they just don't throw him the ball 40 yeah. times, 50 times a year. Like that could happen with Chubb. We've, we've seen him as a, as kind of a volume receiver before and it's been fine. Like he doesn't, he doesn't have stone hands or anything. He's, he's great. And I, Like, I have no problem with anybody who wants to take Nick Chubb a little bit higher than this. I I think he's fantastic. He's 100 yards a game. It's just the the receptions that you're going to be lacking. Uh, Number eight is Saquon Barkley, who I think can now officially be labeled a bust. I don't trust him to stay healthy for a season. And I don't trust the Giants to put an offensive infrastructure around him that's going to allow him to flourish. It's going to be Daniel Jones, who sucks, throwing to receivers who get hurt. And I just don't see a way for him to live up to the expectations that he got uh, being drafted number two. It's almost like, it's almost like uh, the curse of Penn State running backs has begun anew, like Kajana Carter, Blair Thomas, that lineage bear. That Curtis Enos. Curtis Enos. That's right. Am I wrong to lump him in with that lot? Um, well, this is like, this is going to be one of those years that maybe defines his career. Um, cause Ed is, you know, even, even a couple years ago when he had that high ankle sprain and then tried to play through it a little bit and he was kind of a dog toward the end of the season. And then if you miraculously got into the playoffs with Saquon, when he got healthy in the middle of December, he was all of a sudden unstoppable again. He had that huge game. I think it was against, I think it was against Washington. Um, he, he just like, he, he was an absolute unstoppable force late in the year, but you're right. The offensive line we think is shit. The quarterback we think is shit. These are, these are huge problems. See, I disagree. I disagree. As a Giants fan, I look at Daniel Jones and I see like, what if Eli Manning uh, had sex appeal? Like, really <laughs> no, this is, I, it's funny. Like I, I agree with the assessment that you're making there. And I even kind of agree with Drew. I just don't think that like Barkley to me is good. Like you said, like when he is healthy, he's like a fantastic player to watch and a great player to cheer for. It's just like, 
it's a very bad situation and he's had very bad luck. I do. Uh, yeah, the, I other, do. the other thing with him is that we don't, we don't exactly know what the role is going to be early in the season. Cause he's just, he's just sort of at the edge of what we think a reasonable timeline uh, for recovery from an ACL is right at the, at the start of the year. So he might be pretty limited in September. And then that's like, that's rough. Cause if you're, if the guy that you draft um, either first or second overall is only getting like a dozen touches per game. Uh, you know, you you can be zero and three uh, yeah. in your in your fantasy league. It's really tough to bounce back from. Yeah, there is that genre of, of fantasy player where, like you said, uh, if you're lucky to get to the playoffs, they suddenly explode in the playoffs. But you never get to the playoffs with that guy. And then you watch him in yeah. week sixteen, like blow up for two hundred yards, and you're like, ah, thanks a lot, prick. It's like, yeah, I, mean, yep. I think as much as as Kamara, the guy that won my leagues for me last year is David Montgomery, who was I was lucky that he was like my third running back. You know, that Ooh. like if it was important to have him as like your number one, like I wouldn't have gotten there if he was my number one guy. Uh, your number nine is Aaron Jones of Green Bay. And your number 10 is Antonio Gibson of the Washington football team. Uh, is there anyone else you would put in there? I know Gibson's talented. Is there anyone else, uh, Andy, you would put in there as your sleeper in the top 10 who is not in there right now? Yeah, I think Gibson is worth talking about a little bit because the the big question with him entering this preseason, uh, entering this year, is whether he was going to have an expanded receiving role. Because he was great last year, and he was you know basically learning the position on the fly. Yeah, he wasn't in, even a running back. No, it wasn't even running back in college, really. Like barely got a you know barely got a look at the position. Learning it at the NFL level is just not something that we see very often. He was great, um, so that was really encouraging. But they're still not using, and this is just preseason usage, but it's mostly still J.D. McKissick who's on the field in, in third down situations and obvious passing down situations. So, like, the dream, if you were drafting Antonio Gibson uh, over the past month or so, was that he was going to come into this year and all of a sudden he's a 60-catch guy, a 70-catch guy. That's probably not going to happen. And that's and that's fine where we're taking him, right? We're not taking him first overall or anything like that. But I, I don't think there's a whole lot that separates these two guys from, say, not Najee Harris or Austin Eckler, who come right after him. Um, I think I think Harris is one of the most interesting names here, and I I wouldn't you know I wouldn't really roll my eyes if somebody wants to draft him as like the eighth or ninth running back off the board. He's 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 in that very exclusive club of guys who is pretty clearly going to be a full workload back, and there's only I don't know there's maybe six seven of those guys in the entire league, so that's really interesting to me. Now he might get hurt, but he's but he's definitely built for that sort of workload. Yeah, I, I could see Harris going even higher than that because every time there's like a new rookie and he's plugged into that kind of offense, and I say that, I, I, I just wrote the Pittsburgh preview for why our team sucks, so I know how shitty that line is. I know how yeah. shitty Ben is. But like, it's, uh, like you said, it's obvious that he's going to get 300 carries this year right off the bat in a in a place that enjoys getting production out of running backs. So, you know, ben, I, I, ben also might be the right kind of shitty for Najee Harris too, right? Because he's not like Ben used to routinely uh, be among the league leaders in in taking deep shots and average like intended air yards, but that's not the case anymore. Like Ben is Ben is all of a sudden at this like Drew Brees, you know, sort of Jared Goff uh, uh level, right? Where he's just not going downfield very often. So that's probably a lot of targets for Harris I'm too. Padding some running back and tight end receiving stats. I'm excited. He's going to get the captain checkdown uh, epithet thrown yes. at him on Twitter. This oh, every year, like I'd say, a good forty percent of quarterbacks get the captain checkdown label <laughs> from Twitter, and he's going to get it. So that's going to be exciting. Let's go to the wideouts. All right, so you have Devonte Adams at the top, and I know why because the newest quarterback, and you have Tyreek Hill number two. And I shouldn't say you; I should say Yahoo uh, Yahoo users of them. So it's it's Devonte then Tyreek, and then Stefan Diggs at number three. Do you believe those are properly ordered, or is one of those more substandard than the other? Um, you can, you know, I've actually got Hill above Adams, but that's, um, I've, I've also got them right next to each other in the overall ranks. I don't, I don't see a huge difference between those two. I, I you know, the, the thing about, the thing about Tyreek is that he just has a set of physical skills that is, that is super rare in the NFL itself. Um, and Tyreek Hill has the, you know, his best games are like damn near 300 yard, just utterly unstoppable, you know, three touchdown games. So I can, I can imagine the best case for Tyreek Hill being just a little bit better than Devonte Adams. I also don't, I, I don't know that it's, I don't know that it's going to look like last year in, in green Bay this season, because that was such a, and I don't, I don't like to go down, you know, narrative uh, a- Avenue too too much, 
but like we we saw Aaron Rodgers just going kind of scorched earth on uh, on a lot of things last year, and including his own front his office, own front right? Office, yeah, right. They they threw so much inside the inside the three. I think he had like twelve touchdown passes of like three yards or less, and maybe seven or eight from the one yard line, and that's just not. I don't know. I don't know that we're going to see that again when they've got an AJ Dillon in the backfield. They've got Aaron Jones in the back. Like, I just don't, I don't think we're going to see 40 touchdown passes out of Aaron Rodgers necessarily. And that obviously impacts Adams to a certain extent, but he's great. He, he should definitely be taken in the first round. Hill should definitely be taken in the first round. Diggs is Diggs. I think is properly ordered here at, at three because he was, he was almost flawless last year. I, I want to say he did not have a single game in which he didn't have either six catches or a touchdown. So he just always helped you. You never, you know, at, at the end of the week, you never look back and said, well, I didn't get enough out of Stefan Diggs. You always got 10 plus fantasy points out of Stefan Diggs. He was great. Um, he's, he's had difficulty staying healthy uh, over the course of his career. Didn't last year. He played through injury. It was great to see. Um, but he's had, you know, a plague of hamstring injuries over the over the years, and he's been sidelined a little bit in camp too. So that's a it's a little bit of a worry. Well, he did play every game last year, and you are, by the way, correct. There was not a single game in which he had uh, less than six uh, receptions or a touchdown. Like in other words, he had he he had either one of those. And normally, he had four games, five games where he had more than ten uh, receptions, and he had one, two, three four, five, six, seven. He had seven games where he had over 100 yards receiving. So that's pretty, that's pretty goddamn good. I, I do enjoy consistent fantasy players more than boom and bust guys. Uh, speaking of which, your number four guy is Calvin Ridley. Is he, is that right? Is that proper? <laughs> are you sure? Yeah, are you sure? Because DeAndre Hopkins is right behind him. And I know DeAndre Hopkins is like, well, I need the facts on the vaccine. You know, and I was like, oh, not, not you, man. I like that he's bringing that inquisitive spirit to that's you got to question everything if you want to make it in the national football. League. That is true. That that is uh, very Arizona curiosity and we respect it. Uh, but uh, it's, should like, Ridley... it's just the worst that we have to. And I should say, first of all, that like vaccination status in the NFL has been like pretty good. Right. It's over. Yeah. the league yeah. is over 90 percent credit. Where but we're due. really just... amplifying all these guys that are, are, you know, that have a lot of gibberish to say about it. And, um, but I hate that it's something that I have to consider in a fantasy draft. I hate that I have to get to that point where I'm like, hmm, do I take Kirk Cousins? Oh, Cousins, unvaccinated. Hmm, how many games is he going to miss? Like, I hate that that's a factor. Yeah. But that's what it has to be, right? Like, I know, mm-hmm. like, normally, like, like anytime, like, a, a player, like, gets arrested for something just horrible, like, there's always somebody on Twitter who's like, well, how does this impact my fantasy team? And you know, it's always like, oh, that's kind of gross. That's not the first thing you should think of. But, like, we're at the stage with unvaccinated people now where, like, it really is about I have to think of these people in the transactional sense because they're not going to be thinking about themselves or anybody else in the human sense. So fuck them. I'm going to treat them like that. <laughs> yeah. That's been yeah. very much the case for, I mean, not just, you know, whatever, the part of the draft that I'm in now, like all these, like these teams that have tight end units where the entire unit is unvaccinated and they're like, I will not comply. Like whatever, just all these fucking like don't tread on me dudes. And like, yeah, it makes Mike Gazicki a little bit less appealing. Sorry. Like that's just how that is. And it's not, I mean, whatever, it makes you feel a little bit better if you're like, hell no, I'm not taking that guy. But it's just another area where like Travis Kelsey really is miles ahead of them. Like not only is he like, yeah. five times better than any other tight end. He was like the first guy that was like, it doesn't hurt. It's it, like, it makes it so you don't get sick. Like I recommend it. Yeah. So you got Ridley at number four ahead of Hopkins, Justin Jefferson, uh, DK Metcalf and AJ Brown is Ridley. Yeah, I'm, I'm, to answer, to answer your original question. I don't, I don't think this is quite the spot for Ridley. And I think he's, I think he's pretty difficult to slot because I think he's, I think he's great. I don't think he's Julio, right? Like I don't think right. he's, all time great. Like, and, and, and he did show last year when Julio was out that he was still going to be a huge problem and he's, and he's still a, a wonderful receiver, but I don't like Deandre Hopkins has the best hands in the NFL and Tyreek Hill is probably the fastest man in the NFL. And like, I can, I can, I can tell you what separates all of these other guys. And I don't know that there's one single thing with Calvin Ridley that does that, but the, the, the reason he's number four here, and I, I think I've got him six, so it's not like I'm down on him or anything like that. But the reason he's number four here is 
that we also think that he might see 200 targets this year because there's just a shit ton of vacated targets in Atlanta and some will go to Kyle Pitts. But but uh, like other than that, it's it's going to be Calvin Ridley, like the absence of Julio Jones is a huge deal. And there's an opportunity here for for Ridley, even in a you know, even in a season where he's not, you know, he's may, he, maybe he's not at Hopkins level. Um, targets are going to smooth over everything. Do you uh, do you ever factor in whether or not a player is going to be in a shit team when you're drafting or when you're starting a dude from week to week? Like, how much does that how much does that variable matter to you? Um, well, it matters obviously at the it matters at the quarterback position because um, usually the quarterback is partially responsible for that being a shit team. It matters usually uh, with running backs and people always think of the exceptions at running back, right? Like James Robinson was terrific last year on a terrible team that was behind all year. Um, but that's super rare. Uh, you, you know, it, that like that's really rare to be attached to a losing team and a low scoring team and still have a, a perfectly viable every week starter sort of fantasy season at running back. So I, I generally think it matters a whole lot more at running back. Like I, if I think a team is going to average, I don't know, 14 points a game, 16 points a game, I'm far less interested in the running backs. Uh, Allen Robinson is number nine. If I draft Allen Robinson and Matt Nagy sta- starts uh, Andy Dalton for longer than two weeks. Am I legally entitled to murder Matt Nagy? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't. I don't think it could be. I think the the worst case that could be brought against you is probably manslaughter in that okay. in that instance, right? Like, <laughs> I, I think a, murder is not totally a off the jury table. in Illinois that would convict you at the no, <laughs> certainly not in yeah, Illinois. Yeah. Yeah, just make sure you don't kill him on the road. Uh, make sure it happens in <laughs> Illinois. Um, I yeah, the Andy Dalton conversation is a separate one. It's not. It's I don't even find it that troubling because I think I think the Bears probably lose to the Rams in Week One, and then there's there there are massive cries for for Justin Fields to take over, and maybe they still give Andy Dalton a shot. I think it's the Bengals in Week Two, and how can you not give Andy Dalton a shot against the Bengals? So that probably happens, but. Certainly, if this team is like one and two, there's there's no way they're not going to start Justin Fields. Right. And I'm um, I'm excited to see Allen Robinson with like a legit dynamic, um, you know, young quarterback with a huge arm. Allen Robinson, of course, is never like he's he's kind of on that Brandon Marshall path where he's never been tied to a to a competent quarterback. Um, had the massive season with Blake Bortles. Like, I don't know. Is, That's is Bortles, right. Is Bortles the best um, quarterback that he's ever been? I mean, oh Robinson, you go back oh, to college. Wow. He was with like Hackenberg too. Like, yeah. he's, like he's legitimately never had a good quarterback Poor he, in the entire time that he's been in the, in the public eye, right? So um, the opportunity for Robinson with Justin Fields. And, the, you know, another, I'm a Bears fan, so it's easy to go off on a tangent about this. Like the Bears disrespect for their best player and arguably the best receiver in franchise history is wild. Like the fact that the bears haven't, haven't locked up Allen Robinson and that they don't say glowing things about him at every turn is just crazy to me. Um, so like he might not be a bear for that long, right? Like we may, we may not, it's, it's just nuts. It's just absolutely nuts. We've never had a guy this skilled and he's not like, he's also not one of these guys that wins necessarily with speed or leaping ability or athleticism, but he's so technically just fun to watch and near perfect. And the, the way he holds guys off, the way he uses leverage is just unlike, unlike almost anybody else in the league. Like he's a, he's a, a legitimate sort of master of his, of his trade. And, a craftsman. Um, I, and yeah. I would love to see him paired with, with a great quarterback at some point. Um, like Andy, it may like happen Andy in the Dalton second type. half of this year. <laughs> Something a little bit better than Andy Dalton. Yeah. <laughs> well, also we're all assuming that fields will be good. And I know he had a nice preseason, but preseason is preseason. So you're also banking on Fields being as explosive as he's been, and that's certainly no guarantee, right? No, it's not guaranteed, but he's he strikes me as one of those guys who, if he just sat out last year, probably goes like number two overall, number three overall, yeah. something like that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he, he, they, he gave himself a chance to put like one bad game on tape, and it didn't matter that he was almost flawless against Clemson, right? Like in the, in the biggest spotlight matchup of the season. He had like, he had one clunker against Northwestern, a team that had a couple of pros uh, defensively, and like, and that 
knocked him all the way down to, you know, outside the, the top 10. Like if he just sits like Jamar Chase, like, a, like nobody paid a penalty for sitting out last year. And I feel like if he would have done it, he would have been in the, in the Zach Wilson spot. Well, also he, he did get a shit ruined by Bama in the title game too. And yeah. I know it's Bama, but still there's that. Uh, number 10 is McLovin uh, with the Washington football team. And I think, I think the WFT is interesting because the Fitzpatrick factor is in there. So they're either going to pass for 400 yards in a game or like 80. And so it's, <laughs> and so guys like uh, Antonio Gibson and Terry McLaurin, like should McLaurin should be at that 10 spot or is there someone else you prefer a, a, a sleeper as it were? Well, there's actually spot. like, there's a huge temptation just on talent to move, to move McLaurin um, higher than this. He's, he's great. Um, he's got like, he's got speed. He's, he's another guy who's following like the Allen Robinson path, right? Like he's, he's not been paired with a good quarterback yet. Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to be by orders of magnitude, the best quarterback he's ever played with. That's and, what we like to hear. God, that's Ryan so sad. Fitzpatrick. <laughs> Um, and I don't, like, I don't like to hold a lot of the early career Ryan Fitzpatrick stuff against him. Cause he was just, he was just pretty good last year. You know, he still, he still tried a handful of like YOLO throws, but they were, you know, they were, they were well-timed. They didn't, you know, they didn't undermine game situation. They weren't game wrecking throws or anything like that. Like, I think he's kind of arrived at that spot where he's, you know, he's, he's a near coach on the field type. Um, and he still has all the the limited, but he still has the the physical tools that he's always had. So Fitzpatrick is fine. Like we know that Ryan Fitzpatrick can drive an offense that supports multiple viable fantasy receivers. So this is, this is generally pretty good for Terry McLaurin. Like if he stays healthy, he's great, but there's not a ton of separation for me between him and Keenan Allen, who's next on this list and CD lamb, who's right behind him. Oh, CD lamb, very talented. All right. So then let's go right to the, uh, the quarterbacks and I'm going to list them in order. Uh, of how uh, Yahoo users ranked them, and then we can bitch about how they did it. So number one is Patrick Mahomes. Number two is Josh Allen of the Bills, who I know had a fantastic season and just got paid half a billion dollars. But still, it's Josh Allen, so I get to do a little arch. Number three is Lamar Jackson, who also was not vaccinated and did not have a terribly good season last season. Then you got Kyler Murray at four. Dak Prescott at five, who was fucking blowing the doors off of every defense before he snapped his leg in half. Russell Wilson uh, at six, who was uh, like an MVP candidate for like 10 weeks before everything yeah. fell apart. Uh, and then Justin Herbert, uh, maybe one of the best rookie quarterbacks in history at number seven. Brady at number eight. And then Aaron Rodgers all the way down at number nine after an MVP season, which he threw for 40, yard, 40 touchdowns. Can you explain that, Barons? <laughs> well... In order Answer for, a, for your users. <laughs> in order for a non-running quarterback um, to to even approach like the top three at the position, they basically have to throw forty touchdown passes. You know, they they have to do what Brady and Rodgers did last year, and they're they're both all-time players, and they both could clearly do it again. Uh, but the edge that you have as a running quarterback in fantasy, based on the way we we score the position, which is uh, effed up in all kinds of ways, right? Like we, you know, we we. To, not to bring it back to Blake Bortles, but you know there was a Blake Bortles season when he when he actually led the league in interceptions, time sacked, and fumbles, and he was like the number four fantasy quarterback, right? So you right. don't even have to be good; yeah. you just Bortles have to sense. either throw a shit ton or you have to be somebody who can run a little bit. And so all six guys at the top of the ranks, and they're all good quarterbacks, but they all have a, a rushing upside that just is simply non-existent with Brady or Rodgers. So that's why that's why those guys are kind of buried. Um, the guy, you know, if you, you can actually find a reason to worry a little bit about all these guys, I think like um, I, I, don't, I don't think at the top with Patrick Mahomes, like it's not practical for other NFL teams to like just do what Tampa Bay did to Kansas City in the in the Super Bowl. Right. Because they just don't have that talent. Like you don't right. have a line. You don't have a linebacker that can stick with Travis Kelsey. You, don't, you just don't have the tools to do it. So I wouldn't worry about that. Um, but Mahomes is not one of these guys who's going to run for seven or eight touchdowns and he's not going to give you 600 rushing yards. So he also is in that class where he's got to throw 40 touchdown passes if he's going to justify like his draft price. Um, Allen is the goal line rusher for his team. And that's just a a stupid edge for a quarterback to have. And as long as Diggs is healthy, it's, you know, Allen is probably going to be in the MVP discussion. Jackson, one of those guys where you have to have the vaccination where it's, it's like, I hate that we have to talk about it, but if these guys, you know, if these guys catch it, they're missing two games. Like they're out for a minimum of 10 days. They're missing two games if they catch it. And that's a huge worry. Kyler Murray is just like a, 
he's like a like a teacup sized um he's like the teacup version of a quarterback you know he's just a little too small there's probably some throws that he can't that he literally can't see because he's like 510 or 511 um he's one of the he's one of the best runners in the game regardless of position so that that keeps him here you know he was he was on pace for i, I think he was on pace last year until the injury to actually set the per game scoring record at the position obviously dropped off a little bit um, but he's he's great. Um, he's just there's going to be an injury worry all the time. Dak Prescott arrives on your roster already injured, so that's out of that's the right. way. You don't, you don't to, <laughs> guess you don't have to worry about that anymore. I feel like though we should be careful that almost any discussion of Dak Prescott's injury history is actually a hippo violation. And I <laughs> that's true. That's in a situation where we're in trouble. That is true. I, I have to do have to be sensitive to that. I don't. Uh, uh, by the way, you were talking about mobile quarterbacks and how they quarterbacks who can make plays with their feet get artificially inflated in fantasy rankings. So that must be why Jalen Hurts is the number 10 quarterback listed on. Oh my gosh. He, that I, makes, I guess that makes a certain amount of sense. I, mean, I think, I think Hurts is one of the most interesting swing players because he was um, like, he was, I mean, there, there's a very good chance. And I think the Eagles would even agree with this because they've been linked to Deshaun Watson trade rumors for months. Right. Like, yes. I'm not sure he's good. Like I'm, I'm not sure he's an NFL level passer. He was, he was bad at the end of the season when they needed it most against Dallas, a defense that wasn't even particularly good. Right. So he's just not, he doesn't have like high level NFL accuracy. Doesn't mean he can't get better because Josh Allen was a train wreck a couple of years ago. Josh Allen made like some of the funniest throws that anybody made. And then last yes. year he was, he was as good as anyone. So like, I don't want to say that Jalen hurts can't get better. He obviously works at his craft, but the, the thing about him is that in all of his starts last year, in his four starts last year, he averaged 68 rushing yards per game. That's like, that's a thousand yard pace. I mean, there, there's just no way to, to screw up a fantasy season if you're going to play every game and rush for 900 or a thousand yards. Like that's just a, that's just a floor that other players don't have. So if he can put that together somehow, and it's a, it's a shitty receiving core, like, they need Devonte Smith to stay healthy. Nobody else is good, so there's a whole bunch of other worries there uh, for the Eagles. But if he can just find a way to average like 230 passing yards per game, which is not a big ask in 2021, if he could just throw like 26, 28 touchdown passes, and he stays healthy and runs for 800 or 900 yards, he's a he's a top five fantasy quarterback. Is there a dude though that belongs in his slot underneath him, like Matt Ryan, or? Uh... Well, Deshaun's not on here because I, I, you know, there's still very much the danger is the wrong word. The prospect that he will not play at all this season, uh, that he'll be put put on the exempt list, or finally uh, formally charged with with criminal conduct uh, in the in the masseuse case, or in the I should say the physical therapist case. So I'm not. Uh, so I understand why he would be below, but it seems like there are a couple of other guys that could have been that could have crept up to that ten slot instead like Ben or like Baker Mayfield, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the, the guys that are closest, and you can make a case for Tannehill, right? Because he runs a little bit. He's not, he's not like some volume runner, but yes. when they actually get inside the five, like they'll, they'll let him run. Um, so he, what do you have? Seven rushing touchdowns last year, six or seven rushing touchdowns last year. So that's part of his game. And now he's got Julio Jones and AJ Brown, who are two of the, I don't know, 15 best receivers in the game right now. Um, so Tannehill's in a great situation. Matthew Stafford, obviously, in a great situation. Um, so there's there's a possibility that somebody else creeps in there. Um, Hertz Hertz could finish I don't know 25th at the position. He could lose his job halfway through the season. That's the other or, thing. He could be benched by for Joe Flacco at any. Or, but in, but in fantasy, you just got to take like if you think he can finish top three at the position, and I kind of do. You just got to take big swings because you can always find somebody else in fantasy, right? Unless you're unless you're playing in a super flex league or a two quarterback league, which most people aren't. Um, you can always find another quarterback. Yeah, I, I agree because it's odd because it's the most important position on the field. And yet in fantasy, it's oddly fungible in the way running backs are fungible in real life. Like yeah. if if my quarterback gets hurt, like if I if my best back gets hurt on my fantasy roster, I'm fucked. But if my best quarterback gets hurt, there's usually a guy in the waiver wire who's like in the top half of yeah, NFL. You're just gonna go get yeah. Kirk Cousins and he's throwing for forty six hundred yards and you're fucked. Yeah. 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 Uh, your tight end group uh, is Travis, Travis Kelsey's the obvious number one. And there's a bunch of dudes afterward who like have the potential to get 100 yards and a touchdown or two in a game, but very, very few and far in between. Uh, I think you just said that, Barons, that, that the gulf between Kelsey and everyone else was, was quite extensive. Can you explain why 
like George Kittle wouldn't be as viable an option? Kelsey, well, it's mostly because Kelsey just keeps doing it year after year after year. And he had, you know, a, a few more touchdowns last season than, than he would normally have. But other than that, he basically had the year that he had in like 2018. I mean, he's just he's just been great for so long, showed no signs of drop off. And, and it was the biggest positional edge by far last year, if you had Travis Kelsey, I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm thinking back to the, the leagues that I won. I had, I had Kelsey on every team, but, but one of them, he doubled the, the fantasy production of the number six tight end. Okay. If you look at the, if you look at the gap between Travis Kelsey and the number three tight end last year, which I believe was Robert Tunyon, it was, it was the same as the gap between three and 50. Like it, it, like it was just massive. The, the edge that you got if you had Kelsey, it was just, it, it was unlike anything else at any other spot. It was, it was very similar to like McCaffrey the year before. Like you were just automatically in the playoffs and you probably rolled through the playoffs. I feel like Waller, that is- Waller oh, was sorry. close. Like Waller was pretty close um, and is a great athlete himself and is, you know, the best receiver on the Raiders for whatever that's worth. So he's, he's not far behind. Kittle just really needs to- Kittle needs to stay healthy. Um, he's, you know, he puts himself in uh, situations that like he's, he's a better blocker than most of these other guys. Like he's a, he's a true do it all tight end, um, super violent player does not step out of bounds, you, you know, and he's, he's had injury issues going back to college. And a lot of it is about playing style. So I think that's a little bit of the issue there. And we also expect the Niners are probably not going to be some, you know, if the, if the chiefs are throwing the ball 38 times a game, the, the Niners might throw it, you know, 28 times a game, 30 times a game. It's not going to be the same passing volume that's there for Kittle. Yeah, I mean, Titan is always that weird position in fantasy where there's like two guys, if that, who like it's you get a real edge if you draft them like super early and then you have like an absolute stud at this sort of like bonus position and then the rest of them are shit and just utterly depressing. And it seems like that never changes from year to year. Like it's always just like two or three people deep and I don't quite know why that is. is there anyone on here uh, on this top 10 like Kyle Pitts or Logan Thomas who you think could break through and be that kind of tight end? Yeah, well, it's just going to be what it is. Pitts, is. Pitts is by far the most interesting player here. Um, as you know, we were talking about it with Calvin Ridley. There's so many vacated targets in Atlanta. They're probably going to go to some combination of, of Ridley and Pitts. I don't know exactly what the volume is going to be for Pitts, but it, it could be that he, you know, he's right there with Waller and Kelsey in terms of total targets. Like that's very much in play. He was, he was unstoppable last year. He's huge. He's got this massive catch radius. If they just purely use him as a wide receiver and, and just sort of call him a tight end, but really he's a wide receiver. Um, he's, he's got, he's got a phenomenal ceiling. The, the problem is there's no history of rookie tight ends doing anything in the right. NFL. Yeah, They're, or of the Falcons using a tight end effectively. So this, right, both right. of those are kind of bad. Yeah, that, I mean, that's part of why I say they've got to basically turn him into a wide receiver, which may happen. But there's, I, I, won't, I, I believe there's four rookie tight end seasons in NFL history in which anybody's even reached 800 yards. Um, it's like Charlie Young, Jeremy Shockey, Mike Ditka, and Keith Jackson, and nobody else has done it. So I also feel there's so much enthusiasm among like fantasy experts for Pitts that I feel like if he, he could literally deliver like the second greatest rookie tight end season in history. And people are going to be a little bit disappointed. Like if he finishes with 880 receiving yards and like six touchdowns, he's, he's behind only like Mike Ditka all time. And yet people are going to be like, huh, I was expecting 1200 yards and 10 touchdowns. <laughs> uh, is there anyone Let's let, we've gone through all the four main position groups now, and we didn't even talk about Irv Smith, who will clearly be the number one tight end by the time. <laughs> calm down. But uh, putting uh, an end I, to Irv Smith chat right now. Are there any players this preseason you really like and you really feel are going to break through that you can tell us about who will summarily be ruined by the fact that you mentioned them and everyone's going to draft them too high now? Oh yeah, that's that's really a problem. Um, Probably the biggest standout and the, the player that has moved the most in ranks is uh, we talked about Jameis a while ago. Um, those two touchdown passes were to Marquez oh, Callaway, yeah. who's been as as buzzy as anyone like throughout camp and preseason. Um, and it's a it's a team where, you know, Michael Thomas is going to be out probably until November, maybe late October. Uh, Traycon Smith has been hurt. There's just there's just no other receiver. And Callaway has stepped Jordan up and Humphrey erasure. 
Yeah, Cal always like stepped up in a huge way. Um, and he like he's not he's not blindingly fast or anything like that, but a pretty good athlete, um, great leaper, great leverage, great strength, all that. And he really looks the part. So Callaway is somebody who was kind of an afterthought, you know, a month and a half ago. I don't even know that he was even ranked. And now he's I'm I'm pretty comfortable taking him at wide receiver forty ish, something like that. If you told me that he was going to finish the season as a wide receiver too, I'd say yeah, that's entirely possible. He looks really good. He's also I had to I had to look up his uh, his college production the other day, and you know he was on a Tennessee team that had like Alvin Kamara and Callaway and maybe Preston Williams and Josh Dobbs and like all these NFL dudes, and they went to the Music City Bowl. Um, I think <laughs> like, that's just a little love it. A little aside. <laughs> That's such a Tennessee move for them to do that. Just just incredible. Oh, all right, all right. Well, let's take a break, and we'll come back, and we'll remember a guy. Okay, we took a break far too late, and Andy Barron's going to remember a guy and play Dead or Kansas with us before we go out. Uh, your guy of the week, uh, since we're have, we have a fantasy theme this week, Andy Barron's, it's Kristen Michael, former CLC out Kristen Michael. Oh. Remember when people were, like, into him? As like a fantasy back, Andy, preseason legend, yeah, yes, Michael, um, yes, absolutely. Also, like one of those guys that always puts really impressive looking workout vids out there, and you're like, yep. oh my god, like it's like whatever him doing, like just basically things that uh, like the early prototype RoboCops did, but like <laughs> without the violence. Yeah, well, uh, I don't know that we've ever seen a player who was as utterly dominant in exhibition play and as as ordinary like in the regular season as like as soon as games mattered um michael michael was was just an absolute non-factor and we buzzed about him like every season um it's it's really rare for fantasy experts to go back to the same guy year after year as a sleeper but he might have he might have spent four seasons (laughs) as a fantasy sleeper which just like I think I feel like early career Jared Cook did that and Michael did it, but it doesn't happen very often. I remember there was a preseason where I watched Mike Anderson on the Broncos bust loose in a preseason game. And I was like, fuck it. He'll he'll probably do well. And I drafted him too high. And he got like he got like over a thousand yards and like eight touchdowns that year. And it was the only time watching preseason football actually paid off for me. That and the time I the first time I saw Adrian Peterson run for the Vikings was a preseason game, and I knew he'd be good, so, yeah. but that doesn't count because it was right. Everybody knew that going yeah, in. I, the Mike I, Anderson one is. I feel like I remember the game stuff. that you're talking the preseason game with Peterson. Like there was a he had like a 40 yard run, and at the end of it, he literally picked up a, a Jets defensive back and threw him out of bounds. Like as Peterson was stepping out of bounds, and I was like, "Oh shit, we should have this guy number one overall." And I thought we, you know, we were we were being super hedgy on the rookie running back, and we might have had him as a second round player. And it was like, "Oh damn it!" Like yeah, we're all like wrong. under Charlie Garner because you're being responsible <laughs> yeah, or something yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Let's play. Yeah. Let's play dead or canceled, and then we'll ask you one fun bad question, Andy Barons. Uh, dead or canceled? You have to tell me when this person is dead or canceled. Former Chiefs linebacker Derek Thomas, dead or canceled, Andy Barons? Dead. He is dead, tragically killed in an automobile accident where he did not wear his seatbelt, and I used Derek Thomas as the example to my children to always buckle up. So thank you, Derek Thomas. mm. Great player, though. I always enjoyed watching him play. Fantastic player. And by the way, is he he in the Hall of Fame? I think so. He's surely in the Hall of Fame. Hang on a second. I get to people love people love it when Drew looks stuff up. This we they do. <laughs> they do. All right, he yes, he's in the, he was inducted in two thousand nine. A fantastic player, and we miss him terribly. And I'm Chiefs glad and, he wasn't canceled before he died or after the fact. We don't for a team that has not always had good defenses, the Chiefs have always come through with like really good individual, fun, cool guys to watch on. Yeah. Defense. Oh yeah, yeah, just insane. Uh, James writes in Andy, former. NFL wideout and guy Nate Burleson is on TV a lot. Is he still a guy or does his broadcast career change that appraisal? Do you still think of Nate Burleson as a guy or is he so much of a broadcaster now you only think of him as a broadcaster? Yeah, I kind of do. Um, I mean, he's a much better broadcaster than he was an actual NFL player. And he's like a pretty good NFL player, yeah. um, productive career. Former but- Viking. Yeah, the the versatility to appear on like mainstream sports broadcastings and then to crush it on Nickelodeon is just I don't know. There's not there's not that many people who can do that. There's not many oh, people he, who can pull it off. Does he do non sports stuff that much? 
I didn't know that he was like, or did he just do the Nickelodeon broadcast when they had like, they put Mitch Trubisky in front of a bunch of kids on purpose last year. Is that <laughs> you're talking about? Well, they'll, I mean, they'll just put him at a regular studio desk um, in the same look that they give every other ex player. Right. And he's fine in that yeah. role. And he's, he's, he's great, obviously on uh, good morning football. Um, but the Nickelodeon thing, but I don't know. I don't know how many people who, who also, spend time like in that, you know, Terry Bradshaw seat, right. That Jimmy Johnson seat. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't think very many of them could go on Nick and absolutely crush it. Being able to function as a normal human after you've <laughs> sat next to Howie long for an extended period of time <laughs> is really, I think very difficult to pull off. He, um, I remember Burleson getting in a weird accident when he was playing for, I think the lions where it was a pizza related accident, it was a pizza related accident. And it was both, it sounded like a completely oh, spurious thing. But then the more I thought about it, I was like, I would have done the same thing. Like he'd gotten a pizza on the way back from practice and it was on the seat next to him and he was driving and it was sliding off the seat and he reached over to keep it from falling and ruining itself. And then he drove into a barrier and it's the sort of thing where like, it sounds like, you know, like, Oh no, you were definitely doing something more nefarious than that. And then at the same time, it's like, if you were in that situation, like you do try to save the pizza, that's just being yes. grown. Yeah. I would absolutely do it. If it were a baseball player doing that in preseason, I would have said he was shit faced, but right. Yes. It's, but it, it's, it's a football player, rather respectable in an utterly human instance. I would have, I, I believe it wholeheartedly. Yeah. Hey, Brandon Nix is our producer and engineer. Daisy Rosario is the executive producer. Our theme song is by Kirk Hamilton. You can listen to ad-free episodes of The Distraction only on Stitcher Premium. Thanks to us, you can get a free month of Stitcher Premium right now. Just go to stitcherpremium.com and use the promo code DISTRACT. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever it is that you listen. And go subscribe to Defector.com too while you're at it. And read Andy Barron's over at Yahoo. Andy, you are a fabulous guest as always. Will you join us again next year for another... Can't wait. Glad he got an extra one of those in there. Had to be done. Thanks. All right. Andy, you were great. Roth, you were great. We'll see you all next week. Bye. Bye.